Stefanski Show. Like I've said to you guys from the beginning, uh, we're just controlling what we can control. I understand that this is a process, and I'll continue to make decisions uh, with the information that I have. Tonight, you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for the season at team headquarters in Berea. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Nathan Zagura, and the three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion, Gerard Cherry, with you. It is, of course, the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. And before we talk about the Jacksonville game, before we look ahead to the Philly game, before we talk about the joint practices, feels like there's a news story out there. And the news is as follows. Deshaun Watson has been suspended for 11 games during the 2022 NFL season and fined $5 million for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy per the terms of a settlement reached between the league and the NFLPA, the league announced on Thursday. Additionally, Watson must commit to mandatory evaluation and treatment. Here's how it goes. The suspension will begin at 4 p.m. on August the 30th. He will be eligible to return to the facility on October the 10th and resume practicing November the 14th. The first game that he will be eligible to play in will be December the 4th in Houston. The league also announced Thursday that the NFL and the Browns each will contribute $1 million, which when combined with Watson's $5 million fine will create a fund of $7 million to support the prevention of sexual misconduct and assault, saying, quote, this fund will support the work of nonprofit organizations across the country that educate young people on healthy relationships, promote education and prevention of sexual misconduct and assault, support survivors and related causes. So, Gerard, that's the big news. And from a football perspective, uh-huh. He will be out the 11 games. This is now Jacoby Brissett's team. What does that mean for the Browns? Well, it really means that from a rallying standpoint, rally behind Jacoby because all the naysayers and the prognosticators out there are going to say you don't have a chance, you don't have opportunity. But this is where you as a football team say you don't define us. We define who and what we're going to be. And we go out there and pay the price and do the things necessary to get to that place to when we step on a football field come September 11th that we are well prepared because no football team last time I checked, Nathan, is one player. Granted, the quarterback position is of the utmost importance. And if you perform well there, typically speaking, you win football games. But Jacoby, yes, it's his squad now. He has to take over the reign. And basically what I have learned from observing last year with this offense in particular is if you just simply allow Coach Stefanski to set you up for success with his play calling and take what the defense gives you, I'm not worried about Jacoby Brissett. I'm with you, and that's one of the things that they feel very confident he can do and that the layups that this offense will provide him will be layups for his career, 60% completions, 36 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. That's better than a 2-to-1 interception ratio. He's also added 653 yards rushing and 13 career rushing touchdowns. So you're hoping that he can do those things. He adds an element where he extends about two play, two drives a game with his legs, uh, picks up about two first downs a game. So 
well, he's not a burner like a Lamar or Jalen Hurts we saw on the practice field, a guy who's big, he is physical, can carry a pile and pick up some strong yards for you, and he is now the leader. And he's a guy who's got the respect of the locker room, was the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Colts in 2020. So he will be the guy for the Browns now. And Josh Dobbs, Josh Rosen, the other quarterbacks of note. We did hear Kevin Stefanski say today that Jacoby Brissett will not play this Sunday against Philadelphia and that Deshaun Watson won't play for the rest of the preseason. That surprised me a little bit. Does that surprise you? Or what were what are your thoughts on Deshaun, no more game action for Deshaun No, because when I hear that, I make the assumption, Nathan, that they're not going to have the ones out there for the offensive line. Now, I'm not going to put Deshaun Watson behind twos and threes with all due respect to those guys because they're busting their butts trying to make a football team. Sure. But I would rather have someone who I've put so much into resources into and guaranteed money behind my ones, not my twos or my threes or my potential fours or practice squad guys. I'm not going to take that chance. So my mindset would be no. No need for you to go out there and risk injury in a situation where guys are going to be kamikaze out of control trying to make a name for themselves but not going to get a rep off of putting you out for the rest of your career so i get completely why they're doing this so again the first time we will see deshaun watson on the for the next time we will see deshaun watson on the field for the browns the earliest would be december the 4th in houston against the texans and that's how things this is how long this is gonna go 11 game suspension won't be playing until December as we sit here in August. So still a long way to go before Deshaun Watson is on the field for the Browns. We'll talk about what we saw out there today and a look back at the Jags game. But first, let's get some sound bites from today's press conferences about the news of the day with owners Jimmy and D. Haslam, as well as General Manager Andrew Barry and Deshaun himself. We'll start with Jimmy Haslam with his opening statement. I think we've said from the outset that it was really important for the Cleveland Browns to honor the agreement between the Players Association and the NFL and to, no matter what the outcome is uh, or was, to respect that. And so we're going to do that. And we're not going to comment on anything Judge Sue Robinson said or her decision, nor are we going to comment on anything Commissioner Goodell said because we don't think that's appropriate. Um, at the same time, I think we as an organization realize how sensitive this is, how emotional it is to all kinds of different people, how a lot of people have been affected by this situation, and we take that very seriously. Since Deshaun came into our building in April, he has done everything we have asked of him and more. And he has been the person, the leader that we expected him to be. Um, I think he understands where he is in his life. It's a pivotal point. We as an organization are going to do everything we can to help him not only be the best football player he can be, but more importantly, to be the best person he can be. And we're going to support him in every way possible during the suspension and during what will hopefully be a long career with the Cleveland Browns. I also think it's important to remember that we've got a lot of other really good football players that are going to practice today at 2 o'clock against the Eagles. Uh, today and tomorrow play an exhibition game and in about two and a half weeks kick it off against Carolina. And we have a talented team. Uh, we have confidence in Kobe Brissett, and we're looking forward to going forward. That's Browns owner Jimmy Haslam. Haslam again later on said people deserve second chances. I think in this country and hopefully in the world, people deserve second chances, okay? I really think that, and I, I, I struggle a little bit. Is, is he never supposed to play again? Is he never supposed to be part of society? Does he get no chance to rehabilitate himself? 
and that's what we're going to do, okay? And you could say, well, that's because he's a star quarterback. Well, of course, but if he was Joe Smith, he wouldn't be in the, on the headlines every day. So we think people deserve a second chance. We gave Kareem Hunt a second chance, okay? And that's worked out pretty well, okay? We're hoping this will work out, and we have strong belief it will. That doesn't mean we don't have empathy for people affected, and we will continue to do so. But we strongly believe, strongly believe people deserve a second chance. We believe Deshaun Watson deserves a second chance. Speaking of Deshaun Watson, he talked about missing the first 11 games and the impact it would have on his teammates. I mean, it's a tough situation, but at the end of the day, I have to continue to make sure that I'm around as much as possible as I can be um, and just continue to put in the work and let, you know, support the guys that's around, uh, support this team. You know, I know these guys are going to do very, very well. We're all professionals. we all here for to do a job and uh, to accomplish a goal, and that's win games. And uh, I know the guys in that locker room are going to do that. And finally, General Manager Andrew Barry on if he is comfortable with his quarterback situation going into week one. Number one, we brought in Jacoby. We feel very good about Jacoby. We like what we've seen throughout the spring. We like what we've seen throughout the summer. Um, so we have a high degree of confidence in him. Um, you know, no different than any other position on the roster. We'll continue to evaluate our team you know, over the course of camp, but really pleased with Jacoby. All right, Gerard. So, Again, that's the news of the day. Let's talk about this from a football perspective. Mm-hmm. He's gone for 11 weeks. We've got Jacoby Brissett. You talked about that. For a team, and I was pretty impressed by this today, this was a chaotic schedule today. They changed a lot of things around as the news of this came down, the settlement. And yet they went out there and I thought competed and had a very strong accounting of themselves against the Eagles. What does that tell you just about the mental makeup, everything we've seen, even going down into Jacksonville? And all of this has been kind of hanging. We didn't even know, remember, going Jackson. We didn't know if he was going to play then. Right. We didn't know until at 5, 6 o'clock. Is he playing at 7 o'clock? It was surreal in many ways. But this team continues to be focused on the task at hand. Right, and that's a great sign because if you're going to make a championship run, and I know from experience, you're going to have to deal with adversity. And how do you overcome it? Do you let it hold you back? Do you bemoan and take the victim mentality? Or do you say, I'm an overcomer and I'm an achiever on an individual as well as a corporate team level? That's your mentality. And they've gotten a dose of that with the uncertainty of the quarterback position and what that represents, not knowing if Deshaun's going to be here today or gone tomorrow. Now we have a finality with that and understanding what's going to take place. Now what do you do as a football team? You rally. You say, here's what we're expecting. Here's what we need to accomplish. And here's what we need to focus towards. And what you hope is that going through this adversity gives them more wherewithal in the sense that, hey, we do have the will, we do have the ability to overcome things that come our way because that's really what they're going to be facing. And just to understand that, hey, this is going to be a very tough season for them because when you go into a few of these matchups, you can't look to the sideline and say that you have the advantage at the quarterback position because in most games if Deshaun Watson's on the center, guess what? You can say that. That's right. But not having the ability to say that, what that means is special teams, you step up and control field position, take advantage of your opportunities. Defense, you shut down guys down. Give Jacoby Brissett and whoever else is under center a short football field to work with so that increases the odds of them scoring. And for the offense, you block and you protect, you catch, and you run like you've never done before to get to a place that when he does return – that is a, a space, an opportunity for you guys to still make a run towards the playoffs and then the Super Bowl. No doubt about it. And you talk about guys being focused, guys stepping up. I think our defense certainly stepped up down there in Jacksonville, as did Josh Dobbs and that second team on offense, rookie Jerome Ford. What stood out to you about that game? And 
And by the way, how fun was it down on the sidelines oh, for the man. first time in a long time? It was an experience and a half to be on the sidelines, man, and getting accustomed to that approach to calling a game and being involved on that level was exciting. It was fun. Looking forward to it again this Sunday. And also just, again, feeling like with what we were doing with you, Jim, and myself, that, hey, man, we had a rapport going there, and it That's just great. felt really good to be involved with it. But far as the game goes, I felt early on, Nathan, that the speed of practice did not help the speed of the game and that the Jaguars had an advantage because they played in the Hall of Fame game. So they kind of had an idea and were able to dictate the tempo and the speed, and they and they capitalized on that. Early now, sure. once we got accustomed to the speed and once we started trusting our lungs, because that's the key part, when you're playing in a hot weather place and the conditions like they were that night, do I have the ability to run? Do I have the ability to catch my wind? So you kind of play a hesitancy of an approach towards the game because you're not sure if you're conditioned. But once the guys figured out that, hey, man, and it cooled down a little bit, once the sun went down, you start seeing that our talent was just better than theirs and that we were a better football team because when you have your young guys, and this is what really stood out to me, when you got your young guys contributing, that tells me who's ever in the room making decisions on draft day is doing a heck of a job. That's a great sign, especially when you have a team that's regarded as one of the better teams from a talent standpoint because that means that once those guys may depart via free agency, you have somebody in the wings that can come up and get the job done. Not to mention we did not have a first-round pick. We did not have a second-round pick. And yet our our rookies, MJ Emerson in the third round. They played like first-rounders. Ford in the fifth round. Cade York in the fourth round. You had Perry on. You had Alex Wright. It was a very good show. Isaiah Thomas with two sacks in the seventh round. Right. A great showing, certainly, from the Browns' rookie class. Now, the task at hand moves from Jacksonville to the Philadelphia Eagles. We know we won't be seeing the starters really in that game, but we did see a lot of good work from the Browns' starters today against the Eagles in the joint practice. So when we come back, Gibbs, our own Gibbe, Jason Gibbs, on the spot, caught up with the head coach of the Cleveland Browns and the namesake of this show. You will hear that next on the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. All right, back here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus where earlier today the Browns and the Eagles had the first of two consecutive days of joint practices. And you, of course, are listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show, Nathan's Zagura, Gerard Cherry, and we bring in the third member of our team, usually behind the scenes, but today thrust into action. And Gibbe responded like the champion that he is, grabbing the Browns head coach and the namesake of this show, Kevin Stefanski, coming right off of the practice field and joint practice number one with the Eagles. Take a listen. Just off the practice field here, joint practice number one with the Philadelphia Eagles in the books. Coach, uh, I know that you have plenty of film still to watch, but your thoughts on the day immediately coming off the field? Well, first of all, you're right. There's plenty of film. You have twice the amount of film you're going to watch. So I'll watch it uh, with the offensive staff to start, then I'll go over to the defensive staff and watch it with them. And uh, really, really solid work. And, and what we try to do when you're figuring out who to do these joint practices against you're looking at a bunch of factors, but one of the big factors is what kind of offense and defensive scheme they run, and their scheme is totally different than ours. So it was really good for our offense to go up against a five on the line of scrimmage, under odd front type look. Uh, they were really happy on, on the Eagles sideline with their defense coaches. They were happy to see some multiple tight ends, some 
eye formation stuff that they just haven't seen. So I just think on both sides you're working together and you're getting a great look. All right, so how do you manage it all? Because you said it. There's two fields going on. You can only be in one place at one time. Do you go between sets? Do you kind of map out your day as to how this is going to look? Yeah, we, we kind of handle it. I think it's pretty consistent at these joint practices. I'm the head coach of the offense, the Cleveland Browns offense versus the Eagles defense. I'm the head coach of that field. Coach Sirianni is the head coach of the Eagles offense versus our defense. So if something were happening, Coach Sirianni, whatever he says goes for that whole field. And that's how we operate. And I got so much respect for Coach Sirianni and his staff, uh, his players. They, uh, they really work hard, and, and it was fun to work together. You know, it looked like a, a mutual respect between both teams. You could tell right from the get-go when Philadelphia walked in and a number of our guys going over to greet them and, and whatnot. But clearly a lot of respect from both sides here going into today. Absolutely. And, and you know, when you're talking about the NFL and these teams, we all have so many connections. I know so many of their coaches. I know their players and vice versa. These guys played college ball together. So while it's football and it's physical, I really believe you can get quality, quality work in uh, while taking care of each other and not being, you know, uh, chippy and taking cheap shots. We just, we don't, we don't want that. Neither side wants that. And it just goes to show you that you can get work done uh, and get a lot of work done the way we did it today. All right. How long will you be here tonight? I think that might be the bigger question here. Yeah, I won't be home for dinner. I know that, so which is okay. That's training camp, so got to get to the bottom of all, all these plays. All right, so what adjustments, how much adjusting do you do going into day two, knowing that you still have a game to play on Sunday? Yeah, not much. We're, we're, we really know what we came in to uh, accomplish in these two days, so a lot of the plays that we ran today, we got good looks on. Now we'll move on to a couple different concepts and schemes that we want to take a look at. You know, even defensively, we can throw different personnel groupings, different fronts out there that we just want to get good, solid work versus somebody else. So it's a little bit of the laboratory right now when you're out there on the field, uh, but I thought it was quality work. So how much of what you're doing out here on the field today and tomorrow, you don't want to tip your cap, you don't want to show too much, but yet you still want to at least see if something may or may not work out here. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's, again, with these joint practices, you can do a lot of things in these practices that you wouldn't do in a game because, you know, the tape's not getting out to the free world. So there are some concepts that we've been working on. Talking to their coaches, they wanted to take a look at some new things that I thought were actually really cool. So I already told Coach Sirianni we're going to steal a few of those concepts. All right, before I let you go, just a, a quick takeaway or two from last week's game, and what will your message be to some of these uh, younger guys that are going to get a lot of reps and some good work in uh, this coming Sunday? Yeah, I think they competed like crazy. We just we need to be way, way cleaner from the penalty standpoint. And that's it's an awareness thing. It's also it's just it's very simple. It's technique, and it's your goes right back to your hand placement, those type of f- key fundamentals to this game. So, I'm really looking to clean that up. And then I just want uh, I want the offense to take care of the better care of the ball. We put the ball on the ground twice on offense. We ripped it away on defense three times, which was outstanding. But looking for the offense to take care of the ball, looking for us to clean up those penalties, and then continue to just give our guys an opportunity to go show what they can do. All right, back on the field Friday for joint practice number two, and then Sunday at First Energy Stadium. Uh, Glad to be back in front of the home fans, I would think. All right, Gibby. I can't wait to be out there, buddy. A Gibby on the way out. I love it. Man. All right, Gibby. How about that, Gerard? 
so Kevin Stefanski is talking about some of the virtues of these joint practices, getting to see a different look. He said that five-man under front that they run. They've added Hassan Reddick to a defensive line. Think about the guys that they can put out there. You've got pro bowler Josh Sweat, pro bowler Javon Hargrave. Fletcher Cox is a six-time pro bowler who missed bowler. the pro bowl last year. Brandon Graham, a pro bowler in 2020, was injured last year. And then they add Hassan Reddick. Oh, by the way, and they added Jordan Davis with the 13th overall pick, who's 6'6", 336, and was, was run the – the uh, Outland Trophy for the best interior defensive lineman in the country last year. Won the Benaric Award as the best defensive player in the country last year at Georgia. Oh, they were the national champions, and he was one of the stars of that defense that had how many guys go in the a billion exactly. guys go in the first round. Not to mention Nicobe Dean, who they also drafted to the Eagles in the third round that many thought was a first-round talent. So this is a loaded D, but what are the benefits of getting to see different fronts, getting to see different coverage schemes, getting to see for our defense different offensive schemes and pass concepts than you've been seeing every day in training camp. It gives you the opportunity to build your confidence if you're having success. Now, if you're not doing well, then you're going to have some things, obviously, always to work on. But when you're going against different looks and different guys, because at some point in practice, you reach a threshold, say if you're just dominating, to where it's like, okay, is this a false impression? Am I really this good? But when you have someone else come into town and your skill set is put on display and you still find yourself balling, you find yourself still making plays, that confidence builds up and says, you know what, I can take this on the road. I can also use it at home. And when you start feeling and thinking that way, then you start balling out and then it just only helps your game get much, much better. So the confidence part is one of the main things you take from it to see that, you know what, I do belong in a National Football League because if you bring Jacksonville here on a preseason game or if you bring the Eagles in on a practice week, I'm still balling. So it helps from that standpoint. And just seeing something different because when you're in the National Football League, tell me, Nathan, do you get the same look week in and week out? You certainly Unless do you're struggling against that particular look, then you're going to get a week in and week out. But beyond that, it's always something fresh and different. So having the ability to adapt and adjust is a key fundamental part of playing a game at a high level. Yeah, you had last week, you know, in Jacksonville, you got a 3-4 look. Now you get what this is, a four-man front, but it's really a five-man front that they play often that's got a four-man under front. Then you go and you think about playing our team, you're getting basically just a straight-up 4-3 defense right. where we can flip, we can be a 4-3 over, 4-3 under, but we don't walk the Sam down onto the line of scrimmage like they do with Hassan Reddick having him be an extra pass rusher on the outside. All of those different looks, these are things you're going to see over the course of a season. Heck, we'll see that in our division. Exactly. That's my point. So you got 3-4 in Baltimore, 3-4 in Pittsburgh, 4-3 in Cincinnati. But now a lot of teams are multiple, right. multiple fronts. And when right. you were in New England, always a multiple front. Oh, yeah. I mean, front. you have a multiple front within a drive. Right. Showing all kinds right. of different things uh, to this offense. And I think it's a good look for Jacoby Brissett to get those kind of looks. And this is going to be the bulk of his work that happens prior to Carolina. It's right. going to be today, and, and, and that's done, and then tomorrow. All right, these are key days for him, and how he performs from a confidence standpoint for himself as well as the coaching staff and the organization, how does he look? Because on some levels, 11 games, that's a lengthy suspension. Suspension. Sure. So do you take a look and kick the tires at some other guys that may come come available? And I'm talking around it, but do you actually consider Jimmy Garoppolo? Because if Jacoby struggles, then that does become a concern because you're not going to sit back and say, okay, we'll let him work it out. That's a legitimate fear because you're not waiting until next year. You're always trying to push the envelope and win now. No, you have to win now. This team is, is too good. It's too loaded. There's too much talent on this team to even think about trying to wait for next year. And so uh, I think that the Browns are very comfortable, Jacoby Brissett. I think they, believe it or not, I think the Browns, 
than a lot of people, I'm saying believe it or not, to a lot of people, prefer Jacoby Brissett mm-hmm. to Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Garoppolo's had a ton of success. You can't argue the fact his last two full seasons, the guy has been in an MFC championship game and in a Super Bowl. And when you're in this spot where Jacoby's at, where they do have affinity for you and familiarity with you, because you obviously you've been here throughout the course of the offseason and now in training camp, put your best foot forward by just simply going out there and doing what they ask you to do and performing well. From that standpoint, you have the confidence. You're going to have the team backing you. You're going to have the locker room behind you as well by putting in that work. And don't leave room for dissension in the sense of, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Because once that starts rearing his ugly head, then you have the worst possible scenario that you can have for a football team, a no identity with a quarterback. That's the worst thing that you can have. Well, the Browns feel like they do have that identity, and they're fortunate to do so with Percent. Now, that's got to carry into the regular season, to your point. But I will say I know that for a fact – they like him more now that he's been here than they did when they made the decision to go bring right. him here. That's a beautiful so thing. He has impressed them. What stood out to you from today's practice, offense, defense? What, what jumped out to you? Well, initially, I felt early on that Eagles were set the tempo or went, as I looked across the field, and there's a lot going there's on. There's too much going on. <laughs> it's like, okay, where am I going to focus my attention on? So when I was looking at who was making plays in, like, the one-on-one drills and stuff like that, initially early on, it was the Eagles. I felt they were making them the majority of the plays. But as practice continued to go along, I felt that both sides of the ball were making plays and having impact. And it wasn't a situation where you walked away and said, man, we got our ass kicked and we got dominated. I didn't feel that way at all. I felt it was an even draw, if anything, at the end of watching the practices. Yeah, it felt like there were good moments on both sides. I think that our offense certainly had some nice moments. You had uh, Jacoby Brissett with a big pass on a bootleg to the Chief. You had a great run from Jerome Ford. Watson hit a bomb over the top to Anthony Schwartz that definitely stood out. Mm -hmm. And so those are good things. I'll tell you what, our secondary, I think, initially didn't have, I wouldn't say had problems, but I think it was you were seeing the talent of Philly. Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown. Dallas Goddard, and I think as that went on, and let's be honest, that's a caliber and depth of pass catching that our guys have not seen in our camp, and certainly not down in Jacksonville. Well, you'll definitely see it in Cincinnati, that's for sure. You will see it in Cincinnati. And you'll see it in Pittsburgh as well. But I'm counting on these guys. I believe our secondary is same. but But the deal with that is... Blowing coverages, that part I can't tolerate because I did see a couple of those things, and we've been together too long now for that to take place at this stage. So those type of things need to be ironed out and not occur. But, yeah, you want this type of look because at some point last week, I mean, early on Jacksonville was making plays to their credit. But then once things settled down, they got shut down. So now you're getting a high-caliber receiving core coming in here. Where do you stack? Because, again, in our division, outside of Baltimore – Pittsburgh is for real, and we know Cincinnati is for real. So these guys, again, it's part of that whole concept of building up your confidence. You shut these guys down in, in training camp in these practices and you're having success, that will transfer to the football field once the regular season starts as well. No, I think you're right about that, and that's something that the Browns are certainly looking forward to. And to be fair to our defense, now that we didn't have our starters out there. They had their starters. Now they didn't have Christian Kirk out on the field, but we weren't running Miles and Clowney. I'm saying, well, exactly. Denzel that's a whole, different it's a whole different defense. Ball green game. But, exactly. But the guys that are out there need to deliver, and as that game went on, I think they most certainly and did. And that's the part, too. If, if, you're, if you're MJ Emerson, yep. you – are getting the opportunity of a lifetime. You get go against, as a starter, you're playing a starting role right now, against guys who are just flat-out talented in which you make your marketing name because everybody's watching to see, can you take that next step? Can you put yourself in a position based on what you did against the Jaguars where we start saying, we might need this guy to be the third cornerback. 
as opposed to, well, we'll work him in on a dime situations. That's the position that he could find himself in by balling out during this camp. Yeah, and I love down there. It was kind of like Greg Newsom a year ago. Greg Newsom on the first play down Jacksonville, do? they went to Marvin Jones, mm-hmm. and he had a big catch, and he was like, okay, all right, welcome to the NFL, and then settled in and played a great game. MJ, the first one, they went at him to Zay Jones, right. and out and up. Gave up, a, I think, a 32-yarder mm-hmm. and then came back, ends up getting the pick six that really kind of changed that game completely for the Cleveland Browns. When we come back, we're going to talk with a young defensive back who has changed a lot of people's perceptions. An undrafted free agent from West Florida played a big role in the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars, forcing a fumble. One of the most beautiful fumble, forced fumbles you'll ever see. Oh, it's great, and he's going to tell you, he's going to tell you a little bit about how it came to be, and you're going to hear it. Now he's going to get... A, a tag team, Gibbe and myself. We talk with D. Anthony Bell next on the Kevin Stefanski Show here on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show. Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. One of the stars of camp and a guy that I think has maybe even played his way onto this 53, which would have been a long, long, long shot at when you looked at the safety room coming into it, Gerard, is DeAnthony Bell. He continues to make plays. I can tell you the Alpha Dog Awards that are handed out, he is the leader amongst all players <laughs> on this team with four of them so far. There you go. And he got he forced another turnover. He's had multiple pick sixes in practice. He's been great. Well, Gibbs got him first. I was on Browns Live, and then I came in and said, no way. This is my guy. I got to talk to him. So here, our joint interview with safety, DeAnthony Bell. All right, happy to be joined now by DeAnthony Bell. Safety just off the practice field and joint practice number one in the books. Some good work against someone other than uh, your own teammates and, and not in a preseason game. Thoughts on the day? Uh, I think I think it's a great opportunity. You know, I just feel like I'm blessed to be on the field with all these guys. You know, a lot of great guys on the other team, a lot of great guys on my team. So just being in the mix just feel like a blessing today. You know, you get to go up against the Philadelphia team, you're going to see a team like them that they're not going to give you the same look that you get every day in practice. And what did you see from that Philly offense? Uh, I feel I see that they can be very efficient. Uh, they're a very good offense, but, you know, I trust in what we do in our defense, and I just want to do my job and my teammates do our job, and we hopefully to play a good game. All right. On the defensive side, uh, you know, once you guys got going, it really kind of locked down both defenses, uh, especially in those 11-on-11s. And is it just a case of the further the practice went along, the more confident uh, your group got? Yeah, I think it's more as much as we just keep going and we all just feed off each other's energy, you know. So once we see somebody make a play or somebody keep going, it just helps everybody else want to keep going and keep making plays. We love to see each other make plays, so that's a big factor for us. On the couple interceptions, it was great to see. And it, let's go back to your performance on Friday night. You had the forced fumble, and I thought it became, you know, I thought you were going to get tackled by your own teammates. As a matter of fact, I think you might have gotten tackled by your teammates, but the exuberance and the excitement and happiness that y'all show for one another and the love you show for one another after big plays. Yeah, I think that's just in the room. You know, in the room, even when we see each other on film making plays, we jumping on each other and having fun and just, you know, Coach Stefanski always say that, like, celebrate your success with your teammates. So that's one of the things that we do well. All right, what was your game plan coming into joint practice number one here today? 
Uh, maybe my game plan was just do what our, our team coaches, you know, do what my coach tell me to do and do my job. Do We've been practicing this whole time. So whatever he called, we just do our job. What do you want to improve on going into day two? Yeah, I think we gave some good work, but I just want to improve on, you know, knowing my assignment and knowing where I need to be. And, you know, I think that's the best thing for our team, everybody knowing their job and doing their job. Uh, in your room, who is the best basketball player? <laughs> me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best basketball player. You know, it's on the Cleveland Brown TikTok shooting basketball is, you know, I made it to the last round, so it's me. All right. All right. I, I got you on there. All right. Is LeCount the biggest comedian in your room? Most definitely. Richard and uh, Ronnie Harris, definitely. <laughs> Two comedians for sure. You and I were talking about it uh, before we started, but your big eye-opening moment here uh, of the preseason was uh, was what? Uh, I think just walking in that stadium, you know, having on the NFL uniform for the first time. And just being in front of my, all those fans, and especially my family, seeing, knowing my family was there watching me, so it was a big blessing. I was blessed to be there. Will your family be up here at First Energy on Sunday? Yeah, yes, sir. So that would be great to see that, too. You know, it's another big moment. It's like it's all over again, same feeling. So It will be because the fans of First Energy are, are, gonna, are ready to see you guys and ready to see you guys work. When you take a look at this defensive Man, back room <laughs> and these safeties, um, you know, Jeff Howard – Brandon Lynch, what, what do those two guys mean to you? Uh, they mean a lot. You know, they took a chance to get me here, and uh, I'm just blessed to be here. I love it here. You know, and they, they teach me well, and I, I spend time with those guys outside of football. You know, Coach Howard talked to me about things outside of football, and I love that. So he wanted to get to know me as a person. Are you interviewing my guy right here? This is my guy, DeAnthony Bell. DeAnthony, it's great talking to you, first of all. Nathan Zagura, nice to meet you. I got to step in here. Come on. I'm, yeah, listen. First of all, number one, yes. Number two, I've been talking about you since the beginning of camp, since you came in here and started flashing. Let me get this right. Four alpha dogs? Yeah. Four? Is that the leader? Yeah, I'm the leader right now. Yeah. Oh, baby. You got to like that. You got to yeah. like that. Hey, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Your teammates seem to love you. When you come in, you're 25 as a rookie. You're an older, that's an older rookie coming out of West Florida. And yet you guys have bonded unbelievably, especially in that room. How has that happened, and what's it like to be a guy coming out of West Florida, coming out of the Sunbelt Conference, and then being accepted like you are by a team with, by the way, a hell of a lot of talent in that room? Uh, I think just coming in and those guys taking me under their wing and me learning from like, I sit right next to John. So, you know, just seeing how he processed things and processed football, you know, and I asked him questions, and Grant, I asked him questions as well. So them just taking me under their wing and just showing me the game, you know, and we all just feel like a big family. Were you always this much of a playmaker? Uh, I would say so, you know. I bet you would say so. I've been trying. I've been trying. All right, so two pick sixes in camp. I know that. So there's alpha dogs. Now let's go back to this forced fumble. And on that one, this is what I love about this one. So maybe you didn't cover the right guy on that play, right? (laughs) But you turned a wrong into a right, and you'd been doing something, right? Coach Howard gave you a tape that you'd been watching that got you ready for that moment. Definitely. So Coach Howard has sent me a tape of all the forced fumbles last year. You know, I've been talking to him about it like, yeah, I've been watching it. I've been watching it. And so when the moment came and the ball, he had the ball in the left arm right towards me, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is an opportunity to make that punch. So I went forward and, you know, I made a big play. Did you know the second that you probably didn't even feel like you hit the ball because it was such a pure strike, but did you know the second you hit that there's no way that he's holding on that ball? Yeah, I knew exactly. I punched right on it. I had a perfect angle, so I was like, I know it's coming out. And then, you know, previously they had a couple of balls on the ground, previous game, so I had to take my chance. 
what was the kind of – I saw the team's reaction on the field, but let's talk about when we go now into the room and all of that because one of the things they want to see, right? You come out here at the cross-country mortgage camp, Centre Camp, you do it. Okay, now let's go to a game and see it, and boom, immediately you're in, immediately a turnover right away. So what were the guys saying? Your boys. I'm talking about Coach. We'll talk about Coach Howard in a second, but what were the boys saying to you? Uh, they were just saying, great play. You know, they were saying, that's big, you know, coming from somebody that's undrafted, you know, to show myself and prove myself. they like, that's what you got to do. You got to make turnovers, takeaways, as we call them. You got to have takeaways, you know, to change the game. So that was big for me. What Coach Howard tell you? Uh, he's like, hey, I see you've been watching that film. I'm like, yeah, I'll be studying every night. So, yeah, he, he, he was amazed by it. He loved it, and I love Coach Howard. He's a gangster. I love Coach Howard. He's got, like, a great demeanor about him. Plus, he's got you guys looking good. You got the defensive back hoodie. I mean, yeah. where's that in here? Is that, like, one of your top items of clothing? Most definitely. You know, all my clothing. I'm, I'm blessed to have all any piece of clothing they give me. So I just be so grateful for everything. So talk about your journey. You get Butler, right? Yeah. To West Florida. Well, that was my first school, but yeah. Okay. And then to the Cleveland Browns at 25. And, and I'll go back one step further in that being an undrafted free agent, it's a recruitment. So they're recruiting you, but you're also recruiting the team that you want to go to. You get to make a decision. It's not like you're drafted. So what made you want to come to the Cleveland Browns with a very good safety room, but also, and then we know why the Browns won. You're showing us every day. But what made you want to be a Cleveland Brown? Um, I think when I went to East-West Shrine game, you know, Coach Howard was there. And the connection that we had, and we just continued to you know have a connection from there, and they kept building and building. So for me, connection is a big thing, and he wanted to know me as a person outside of football, so that was big to me. And then when they said they wanted me here, I was like, I'm, I'll be glad to be there. So I came. That's awesome. So that's Ryan Game, a little time in Vegas. Listen, a lot of things happen in Vegas. Some of them we don't talk about, but this is one we can talk about. So without the Shrine Game, maybe you're not here, right? And so you think about that moment and those practices that led up to it, and now you're a Cleveland Brown, you're out here balling. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm just grateful. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad Coach Howard and uh, the co- head coach and everybody else gave me a chance. Is West Florida actually in West Florida? Because South Florida is really in Tampa, which really isn't so south. Yeah, well, it's in Pensacola, like on the Panhandle. Okay. 30 minutes from, like, Mobile, Mobile, Alabama. So as far west as you can get. Yeah. Legit. Yeah, legit. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> All right. Last one. What's one thing that you want Browns fans to know about DeAnthony Bell that they might not know? They know what you can do out here, but what's something you want them to know about either your journey, your life, your likes, your passions? What's something you want Browns fans to know when they look out and they see 37 you want? This is what I want in your head. Uh, I just want them to know that I'm here doing what God brought me here to do. You know, I'm blessed, and I pray every day and every night. I'm just blessed to be here, and I'm willing to do whatever the team needs me to do to get a win. So I'm just willing to do whatever. Great story. So I love getting to do this job, getting to see guys like you come in here and try to forge a career for yourself. So best of luck to you. You're doing it great so far. Keep it going, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, Gerard, as the, as the defensive back of the group, what, what has DeAnthony Bell done so well that has gotten him to this point? Because let's be honest, there probably wasn't a single person, maybe not even DeAnthony himself or anybody in the front office who said, okay, this guy really has a chance to make our 53 when they first brought him in as a 25-year-old rookie undrafted right. free agent from West Florida. Right. And yet here we are. We're here because, one, the Alpha Awards, he's winning on a regular basis, so he's making plays. The best way to get noticed is to do what? Make plays. Don't go unnoticed in camp, especially in the position where he's at. You want to do and make every opportunity that presents itself in which you walk away having impact. He's done that. So he's now got the respect of his teammates, first and foremost, and then after that comes the front office and the guy saying, you know what, this guy can be that pleasant surprise because every season – there's going to be three or four guys that we call pleasant surprises. And so, so for some guys, unfortunately, who thought they had it made, he's going to bump them because of what he's doing. And I want to go back to what took place with that fumble. 
That was a thing of beauty. I watch these guys work on that on a daily basis. And you know how good it feels as a coach to see guys actually apply what you're teaching them on the practice field to the actual game day conditions? So he's certainly helping his cause. And, yes, if he could do some con- contributions on special teams, he's well on his way to making this roster. All right, real quick, and then Gibbs going to yell at me. But when you hear that our DB coach has made a cut-up for an undrafted free agent to help him, what is that? what's that actually mean? Well, that means to me, and you do have good guys on this. The way coaches are now, I'm like, why could I have been born, like, 20 years later? They're very they're, nice, I feel. They're, like. they're nice, they're supportive, and they're not trying to just ruin your life. And it's and doing things like that, really showing that you care and that you're trying to put a guy in a position where he can succeed. Because normally, normally it'd be like, hey, man, you're not a starter. You're not an early draft pick. I don't have time for you. But they don't get down like that. So the fact that you have that taking place and then he's applying it, it just makes it even more of a special bond to where when you walk on a football field, you have all of his attention and you're willing to run through two walls for him. I think what's cool is you can tell he's forgotten that he's an undrafted free agent, as he should, because he belongs. He feels like he belongs. And his playmaking is saying the same. When we come back, we're going to go around the league. You're listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. From the morning pregame shows to the final play of the Monday night game, there's no such thing as too much football. The same isn't true for gambling, though. Staying with it too long can lead to trouble. So set limits before gambling and get more tips like this at KeepItFunOhio.com. All right, Gerard, we're having so much fun. We're going to bag around the league right here. We're going to stay focused on the Cleveland Browns. And I think this was a good day for our offense. Our defense generated a couple of turnovers. But what are the coaches going to be telling the guys after this? Because it's not just one day like a game and then we move on. We go back to work against this Eagles team tomorrow. Build, 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 build is what you're going to tell your players because you cannot rest on your laurels. You had a decent, good practice today. Don't walk out there tomorrow and say, okay, I'm rev my intensity now. No, you rev it up, and you go out there and you produce even more. Continue to build. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. But tomorrow it's okay to sprint, but make sure you win on every rep when you're out there representing yourself in this football team. That's what you want to do in these type of situations. The worst thing that you can do, Nathan, is say, I had a good practice today. You know what? I'm going to take tomorrow somewhat off and not be as in as intense and especially if you're that guy who's going to play in the third pre in the second preseason game you have to be dominant motivated and energetic for all three phases of this of this part of camp yeah and you're trying to look make a roster or stay in a program on a practice squad so that's what to look for in day two when we come back stock up and step up going into preseason game number two you're listening to the kevin stefanski show on the university hospitals cleveland browns radio network for me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show. Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry. All right, Gerard, going into preseason. Game number two, whose stock is up? Oh, for me, it's really simple. MJ's stock is up. Ford's stock is up. And when you think about why their stock is up, these guys in the secondary – and in a running back position, are making plays. It's really that simple. If you're making plays and you're a, a draft a draft pick and you're having that type of impact already, being on the practice field and you're taking it to the plane, because we always say, when the lights come on, how are you going to respond? 
and they're responding in a great way. So I would say right now, those two guys in particular, their stock is definitely up. Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Dobbs, 10 of 13, 108 yards, and a touchdown led the Browns on three scoring drives, putting 17 points on the board. Can he keep that up and give this organization confidence he can be that number two quarterback? Uh, quarterback step up for you. Uh, for me, it's two guys in the receiver room right now. Schwartz and Bell, you need to step up. Don't give these guys a reason to bring someone else into camp to compete for that two or three or three or four spot. Step up, because this is your opportunity to make the most of it. Yeah, Anthony Schwartz, I think, right there with those drops. And I'd even add, you know, and not he hasn't done anything wrong, by the way, but Ethan Posick, you've got to step mm-hmm. up now because we do not have the services anymore of Nick Harris. You are now the starting center for the Cleveland Browns, and you want to see him continue that play again. 40 starts under his belt, so he's not no stranger to this, but getting some good work out there against Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave and Jordan Davis of the Eagles tomorrow. Day two of the joint practices with the Eagles will be happening here in the afternoon at Cross Country Mortgage Campus. For Gerard Cherry and for our executive producer and part-time interviewer who got a gibbe from head coach Kevin Stefanski on his way off the field, Jason Gibbs, along with our coordinating producer, Meredith Kane. Don't forget, coming up this Sunday, we've got the Browns and the Eagles preseason game number two at 1 o'clock, which means pregame will start at 9 a.m. That's right, four hours before kickoff, before Gerard joins Jim Donovan and myself on the call. Deshaun Watson, 11 games. Jacoby Brissett, now the quarterback. And you have been listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network.